Hello, welcome everybody. Shalom Aleichem. Good Shabbos. Shabbat Shalom. And for my Goyim, have a great Friday. Enjoy your weekend. We made it. It's the end of the week. I hope you enjoy some of this deep, deep going inward chokhmah from Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and even some shadow work. Yeah, some questions I got on. And what is shadow work? Well, Carl Jung, shadow, go look it up or just listen to the end of the podcast. You'll find out. Enjoy. All right, let's do this. So I've been stringing these up. Uh, This is how I like to do it these days. I just string up a bunch of these. I think I'm on like the fourth in a row now. Anyways, this is, I I do get, I think, a little more enjoyment of all these random pieces of of information from the internet than I do the book summaries. But uh, here we go. Let's just jump in. It was actually some stories I saw on Facebook and Instagram here. It started with every meal is an investment in the short term on how you feel. Every investment in the midterm on how you look and investment in the long term in preventing disease. I'll say that again. So every meal is an investment in the short term on how you feel. So in the short term, you feel good from the healthy salad. In the midterm, it changes how you look. That's what you're investing in because of your muscles and your body fat. And in the long term, it prevents disease. That's the investment. And so look at, look at your food a little more carefully <laughs> is what I'm trying to tell you. Let's move to some Elon Musk. Oh, excuse me. I, he says, I chose to have kids. They did not choose to be born. Therefore, I owe them everything. They owe me nothing. I couldn't help but think this is a little radical. Because, you know, as a human, we do owe each other compassion and humility. So kids must possess a long list of attributes. However, I do kind of agree with Elon regarding parents who think like a child needs to go through their belief system, their trajectory, and especially it gets toxic when parents think this kid has to take care of me when I'm old. And I know, like, I personally would want to take care of my mother, but for someone to feel that they had to isn't the healthiest. And so I kind of get what Elon's saying. Like, they people aren't, ch- ch- they don't choose to be born. So anyways, I'll let you think about that and ponder it. And w- would you... Do you think that's fair? Like, if you have a kid, do you expect them to take care of you? I really hope my kid doesn't have to take care of me. When I'm 90, I'm going to be walking around, doing my own show. I'm going to be able to wipe my own ass when I'm 90. I'm going to make sure that. Otherwise, otherwise I'm booking a helicopter tour and doing the old pull the door and sneak out method. (laughs) Just kidding. Anyways, anyways, that got dark. Moving on. There's a saying here. If you don't hate yourself. No, not if. The saying, I'll I'll say that again. You don't hate yourself. You hate not being yourself. That's very powerful. Very powerful. I hope that sticks. You don't hate yourself. You hate not being yourself. Now, here's another one that I love. Most people won't support you until they see it's popular to support you. That's intense. Like, whew. And I'm not one that has trust issues, but just even the people close to you, I'm telling you, it's it's true. They won't support everything you're doing until it's popular to support you because everyone else is. So the ones who are supporting you, even when you haven't made it, keep them close. Those are the real chevrim, the real mishpoche. All right, folks, I had an epiphany. Let's jump right into this. It has to do with yin-yang theory. It also has to do with a little something I heard on TikTok once, which is acceptance. So if we want to be wealthy, we have to accept that we could not be wealthy. And if someone were to put all their energy into preserving not being broke 
and I know it sounds like a tongue twister, but I hope you understand. If someone puts all their energy into not being broke, they aren't putting their energy into gaining wealth. You understand what I'm saying? So then that person will always sit in the middle class. It, it, imagine this. It would be like, what's a good, I actually haven't thought of an analogy. It, I guess it'd be like you trying to not miss a dartboard. Imagine the, the objective is just not to miss the dartboard. So guess what you're going to do? You're going to have mediocre subpar shots versus trying to hit the bullseye and just accepting you might miss the dartboard, but you're not going to try to not miss the dartboard. You're going to try to hit the bullseye and you're going to have more success that way because you've accepted that possibility and you've ditched it. I hope that that's a good analogy. I hope that makes sense. And that's the epiphany I, I realized the other day. I'm like, think how many people have are scared of risk and and i say that because lots of people have told me like zev oh you, you scale a real estate business what if it's vacant for a few months well like all these what ifs that don't exist because i'm picking a market that isn't vacant and and i've just learned like there's no need to justify anymore uh and i've, I've learned that yes there's a risk that maybe one day this one city i'm investing in dries up a bit like that's a risk it's a risk and, and, and I want to tell them, and, okay, yes, it's a risk. And, like, <laughs> I'm telling you, there's two types of people in this world. Simple as that. And I always like to tell people, okay, fine. Hey, I'll see you at the finish line. <laughs> like, that's simple as that. We'll see. We'll see what happens. You know, I almost, I almost, I want to tell people, like, hey, I can't wait for you to say I told you so. But we'll see. I'll see you at your finish line. And you can tell me if you told me so. And I put here a little quote here. It's, uh. We, when we look back, we don't say, boy, am I ever happy I missed, I didn't miss that dartboard. That, I'm really happy I didn't miss the dartboard. No. We look back and say, oh, I wish I went for the bullseye. Focus on the bullseye, people. That's my takeaway. God, I should just, that should be the podcast right there. That's great. Okay, here's a random thought I wanted to write down, which is about projection. So remember, people are projecting their fears onto you 24-7. And that person is completely in their own world. So what they say has nothing to do with you and has all to do with them. Has all to do with their personal experience, nothing to do with your experience. And they are only applying their knowledge. So imagine someone in their world, in their experience, was taught two plus two equals five. And you say two plus two is four and they're projecting the fear and they go, no, 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 no. You're gonna fail your test, you're gonna, that, don't think that way. Don't think that way, that's gonna fail you, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, but I know I'm gonna be okay. These people that project fear onto you don't understand. They are literally just applying their knowledge. You know, you hear that person, their uncle Jimmy lost a ton of money in the market. Don't invest in stocks. Boom. They're literally applying their knowledge. Their knowledge is that you get burned in the stock market. <laughs> and remember, you can't apply knowledge you don't have. <laughs> and remember, people are scared of the unknown. So if you don't have specific knowledge, that means there is something you don't know, and that is scary. And we often care for people, right? So if someone will care for you, they don't want you to do something scary. And because it's scary to them, they think it's scary to you. And that's the projection component. I can't tell you anything about the color blue if I've never seen the color blue. And if that scares me, I might tell you to avoid the color blue because it's scary. But you might have messed with blue your whole life, so you're not scared of it. And some people, are so scared of disappointing or so i don't know it's a deep thing that they're so scared of disappointing they'll listen to what anyone says when in reality they know best now if we were to go way deeper why is it that we're scared of the unknown 
I'm here to remind you that the unknown simply resembles death. Our self-talk is so scared of death that it doesn't like the unknown because that represents its self-talk dying. That's literally programmed in our DNA as human beings. Now, let me guess something. You probably know in your gut what it takes for you to be successful and to be happy on this earth. Eh? I'll, I'll, I'll give you a couple seconds here. Think about what it is that you know is going to make you fulfilled and happy. I, I bet it didn't take long. You probably have a few things that you know would make you happy. So let me guess. Let me guess. Some people tell you not to do what it is your gut tells you would make you happy and successful. And if not, that's okay. Uh, prophecy, that's awesome. For me, I've, I've heard that. So I'm just here to tell you not to listen to those people. Simple as that. Listen to yourself. Because just like if you went and walked into a movie theater halfway through, you wouldn't know what the hell was going on. And that is the same as people walking into your life, partway through your life. They are not you. They, they literally don't know the whole story. So of course they're not going to understand you when you say all these hairy, audacious goals. Now, also, do not be naive. If someone comes along and does have more experience and knowledge than you, and they are projecting a fear because they have lived through something you want to do, listen, learn from them. And that's where if you're wondering, Zev, I can't read minds. How do I know if someone is naive? How do I know if someone's experienced? Hey, easy. Ask questions. Boom. Do your due diligence. There, that's a bunch of awesome chokhmah from whatever. Now, here, I want you to start reflecting. I'm going to ask you some questions and give you a few seconds after each question to reflect. What's the biggest lie you continue to tell yourself? For me, a couple come up. One, that I'll be feeling better when I reach a milestone. That's a fallacy. <laughs> Second biggest lie is that if I work harder, I will receive more reward. That's a fallacy. You have to work smart, not hard, people. And milestones do not increase your happiness. Maybe for like a few minutes and then that's it. And then you're back to your old self. Next question. What's the most hurtful thing you've done to yourself? For me, it's probably abusing myself mentally for genetic things out of my control. And I just things out of my control, just beat myself up for things that I literally can't control. That's probably the most hurtful thing I've done. And maybe some mental health stuff. What situations make you feel inferior or not good enough? For me, intimacy pops up immediately. Analytical intelligence, like the textbook, academics. What is a line someone could say to completely destroy you? Nothing could really destroy me, but there are things that... So, hmm. Yeah, you guys are going to roll your eyes. It's just after some of the stuff I've realized, I don't know. I don't really take anything personal these days. <sighs> I like maybe if people in the moment, if people, my clients started saying I was horrible at my job and I'm a disgrace and this and that, even then though, I'd, I just look at it as something's hurting them. And then maybe if someone said I'm really superficial, cause I don't 
identify with that but even then i'm, I'm step as i say that i'm stepping back and going like i don't really identify as anything anymore i just observe this vessel that has identities that have been programmed onto it i don't know i i sound like a robot but seriously those are a few things i guess what's a time you were let down by someone you looked up to Honestly, I just think about some people in high school, I think. Some people I thought were cool. Talked to them a little bit. They weren't. Yeah. Oh, an ex-employer, for sure. But I only looked up to the person, like, at the interview, and then it kind of stopped. So, whatever. What childhood memories bring you shame? I think there was a moment I somewhat bullied my brother at my best friend's house. I still feel really, really bad about that. And just there were times where I should have been brave and I wasn't. Yeah, that's shameful. Oh, and same with my buddy once. Here's a story. We were biking home. I was quite ahead of him. And I look back. I don't see him. And I'm like, oh. He, we, we, like, because... We were near his house, so I'm like, oh, maybe he just went back home. And I'd biked home. And then the next day, I get a call. I'm like, hey, man, from him. And I'm like, hey, man, wh- where are you? Uh, wh- what happened? And he's like, dude, my wheel came off my bike, and I destroyed my face on the cement. Had to go to the hospital because he lived near the hospital. So he just, like, it happened. The nurses literally picked him up off the ground, brought him in, and, and he had, like, stitches on his chin and everything. I remember... <laughs> To this day, I feel so shameful. I don't even really bring it up with him much because he also was pretty upset at me. And yeah, I can't believe 14. No, I was like 12. I was young. Jeez. What are your most toxic traits? I think my most toxic trait is probably the superiority complex I get with all the things I'm learning. Uh, I can get toxic with others when I'm a little fatigued and I don't really pay too much attention. I don't know. Now, how do you project that onto other people, those toxic traits? For me, it turns into some judgment and resentment, I think. Yeah, lack of patience is the real projection that maybe that... Like people, I'm not as patient with people sometimes because of those toxic traits. So I'm working on that. Last question here. What makes you most jealous? For me, again, immediately intimacy pops up. Like people who have, I call it RQ, relationship quotient. Like people who have the ability just to know what to say in a relationship, when to say it, how to say it, what to do, when to do it, how to do it. I'm envious of that, and that, that does make me jealous when people have that. Now, I'm listening to a podcast that I'll summarize that you guys won't hear until way later after I'm done doing my next book summary, but it, she talks about the difference between jealousy and envy, and I can't recall right now. I'll try and guess it. I think it was like something about like jealousy is wanting something you don't have, and then envy is wanting something from another person like to take something away from someone and yeah uh, 
I was like, that's deep. <laughs> so those are some shadow prompts. And, and for those wondering what the shadow is, Carl Jung has this theory that a shadow is only casted when light is shined on something. And so often we don't even know our insecurities until someone shines a light on those insecurities. And he goes on to talk about sexuality, aggression, and weaknesses. Those three things, they often reveal our insecurities because we don't get to express those three things very often. When we repress things, those often contain these insecurities that until we shine a light on what we've repressed, they aren't expressed. And this is why sometimes people don't even realize the insecurities they have until they're married. Uh, for example, my father, he didn't even realize that he was scared of not having attention until he had children. It's when, when children came in the picture, my, uh, my mom and dad's relationship failed miserably because he couldn't handle not having the attention. And I've talked to him about this. This is true. Now, remember, the shadow forms out of our attempts to adapt to cultural norms and expectations, okay? We're always trying to fit in. We're tribal. And it's through that fitting in that the repression comes. <laughs> and you can see why sometimes we do bottle these things up. And that's why these, you know, they call it shadow work for a reason. There are these questions you can ask yourself to get into those insecurities that you've bottled and repressed. And they don't have to be super heavy. Like some of those questions weren't super heavy, but it makes you actually dig. And it's important to dig. Because otherwise someone else will dig without knowing it and you're going to take it out on them when really it's a you issue. And the last thing I want you to do is to project that onto others. I don't want you to, I guess, abuse someone else emotionally because of your own fakakta. Okay? I really want that to resonate with y'all. And props to you for doing all this shadow work with me. And I've experienced this full on because of relationships, because of other friendships and careers. There were things that people, I've had someone, uh, an ex-employer say, if I start my own business, I won't succeed. That shined a light on insecurity. Why was I taking that personal? Why was I upset at him? Because I never came to the realization that I was scared of failing at business. And because I had a fear of failing at business, when someone said I was going to, it actually shined a light on that fear. And then I got mad at them because I blamed them for that insecurity because I wasn't even aware of it until they showed it to me. So I tied it to them when really it was always tied to me. I just couldn't see it because light hadn't shined on me metaphorically. <laughs> you know, same within certain relationships. Like there were things that I was not good at, things that I wasn't used to doing in a relationship. And it wasn't, again, I was so confident, whatever. And then that happened and I go, oh, I never realized that was something I was insecure about. This was something I was fearful of in a relationship. And I took it out on the person, again, tying it to them. And this was all before I started to actually come to these realizations. Like, oh, and, and it makes you wish you knew all this going into high school when you're dating in high school. But no wonder feelings get hurt so much in high school. And anyways, so now, thank goodness for those relationships. Even though those, those poor girls didn't get what they wanted out of a relationship and I I wasn't as mature you know thank goodness for that I'm so happy for them I'm so grateful for those the people not just those girls but my ex-employer just other people that I resented for a moment 
I'm so happy for them for making me who I am today. Ugh, and I and I I really if it wasn't so awkward, I have done it for a couple people. I go back and apologize and just tell them like, you know, I wish things were different. I'm not going to do it for my ex-employer, but uh because sometimes you have to let sleeping dogs lie. If you don't remember that concept, that's from psychocybernetics where if something is not propelling you towards your desires and goals, let that sleeping dog lie. Do not wake that dog up and cause problems. Uh, the analogy is once you have stopped trying to miss the dartboard, then and, and you're hitting the dartboard, now focus on how you're hitting the dartboard. Don't keep focusing on how you how you were missing. That doesn't matter anymore. That literally does not serve you anymore on how you are failing. You have to focus on how you're succeeding. And that's how I'm going to finish today with that little bit of chokhmah. I hope it helped. Take care, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. Shalom Aleichem. I hope you guys enjoyed that. If you did, if you didn't, rate and review on Apple Podcasts if that is where you're listening. If you're on Spotify, share it. If you're on Podbean, share that shit. Anyways, thanks for tuning in. See you next week.